Hi, my name is Chloe Roberts, and I wanted to welcome you to the Huddle Up podcast, hosted by my parents, Chris and Sarah Roberts. Huddle up as we hear from our sports families about their story and God's. Welcome to the Huddle Up podcast. We are excited about our guests, Dexter and Lachey Davis. Dexter is the chaplain for the Atlanta Falcons, and Lachey is the Urban Atlanta FCA director. You're going to be encouraged with their story, but before you hear theirs, let's get into God's. A 10-year-old boy decided to study judo despite the fact that he had lost his left arm in a devastating car accident. The boy began lessons with an old Japanese judo master. The boy was doing well, so he couldn't understand why, after three months of training, the master had taught him only one move. Sensei, the boy finally said, shouldn't I be learning more moves? This is the only move you know, but this is the only move you'll ever need to know, the sensei replied. Not quite understanding, but believing in his teacher, the boy kept training. Several months later, the sensei took the boy to his first tournament. Surprising himself, the boy easily won his first two matches. The boy was now in the finals. This time his opponent was bigger, stronger, and more experienced. For a while, the boy appeared to be overmatched. Concerned that the boy might get hurt, the referee called a timeout. He was about to stop the match when the sensei intervened. No, the sensei sensei insisted. Let him continue. Soon after the match resumed, his opponent made a critical mistake. He dropped his guard. Instantly, the boy used his move to pin him. The boy had won the match and the tournament. He was the champion. On the way home, the boy and the sensei reviewed every move in each and every match. Then the boy summoned the courage to ask what was really on his mind. Sensei, how did I win the tournament with only one move? You won for two reasons, the sensei answered. First, you've almost mastered one of the most difficult throws in all of judo. And second, the only known defense for that move is for your opponent to grab your left arm. The boy's biggest weakness had become his biggest strength. We live in a world where perception of perfection is reality. Everyone has the perfect job, the perfect family, the perfect life. Social media, blogs, website, family pictures, etc. All has created this illusion of perfection. Therefore, any weakness we may have, we will hide or kill ourselves trying to make it a strength. What the heck are we doing? Jesus himself, the creator, the savior, the God of the universe said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. 2 Corinthians 12.9 Paul goes on to say, So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ can work through me. Hear me loud and clear. If we are unable to share our weaknesses, then we are unable to share in Christ's strength. We serve a God that doesn't want us to dig down deep and try harder to be perfect, but to say out loud and admit that we are not. Jesus didn't die on the cross because we are perfect, but because we weren't. Be encouraged today. We are not called to be perfect, but to admit that we are not and trust our weaknesses to the one who is Jesus. Hey everyone, we want to welcome you all to this week's Huddle Up podcast, and we couldn't be more excited to welcome our next guest, Dexter and Lachey Davis. So, Dexter and Lachey, welcome to Huddle Up. 
Well, thank you hello, very much, hello. Robert's family. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> thank you, Sarah. We appreciate you so much for uh, allowing us to be on the podcast. Well, here's the thing. We start out um, asking the same three things with all of our guests just to let everybody kind of get to know you guys a little bit. So three questions we want to ask you all is first, how did you meet? Second, how long have you been married? And third, tell us about your family. Well, we're probably going to get two out of three of these right. When you uh, <laughs> beginning with the first one, how did we meet? So my version of this story you is, get two <laughs> yes, is uh, you know, you know, when I was at Clemson University, I was a sophomore, and uh, we had the freshman class of uh, students coming in. Most notably, the girls coming on campus. So we, the guys, we were like, who are the new girls? It was a party for the incoming freshmen. Uh, as a sophomore, you couldn't go to it once. So you know, if you if you're already at Clemson, you couldn't go to the freshman party. So a couple of my freshman players went, and they said uh, there was this girl there, so on and so forth. I had a chance to uh, meet her. Uh, and long story short, I said that's the one. So. <laughs> and Lachey, your version. <laughs> totally different version. <laughs> um. We did fast forward past the party because I never paid him any attention. I never knew he was even at the party. But fast forward to move in day, um, we had a mutual friend and I had moved in already into my dorm and um, the football dorm was right across the street. And uh, my roommate wasn't there yet. My roommate had been my she was my best friend since we were like four years old and she hadn't moved in yet. And so I was just kind of there by myself. My family had left already. And so our friend Dana she calls me up and she says, hey, well, why don't you come to my room Cause I'm and help me get settled in? I said, sure. So um, I go to help her move in. Well, he was there because they were from the same, relatively from the same hometown. And um, she introduced us and, you know, he takes it upon himself. He says, hey, I'm Dexter Davis from Clemson Football. You don't know me? <laughs> <laughs> That's and, her version. I'm not, not going to like. I like Lachey's version better. <laughs> And so I came back and said, well, I said, well, I'm Lachey Griffin from Malden, South Carolina. You don't know me. And then he goes, he goes, oh, this one has a bite back. You know, he's talking to our friend Dana and he goes, oh, this one has a bite back. I was like, this one? I mean, like, really, dude, as if. And yeah. Well, I don't think we denied that any of the two scenarios did occur. I think we did. The dispute is the order in which they occurred. Okay. Right? okay. We'll uh, say that you're both right. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Good answer. Good answer. Uh, 26 Good answer. years of marriage. Fantastic. And yeah, we've been married 26 years. And four kids. Four kids. And 20 moves. 20 moves. Oh, we've got a 27 year old daughter, Constant Grab. We've got a 24 year old Georgia State Grab. We've got a 21 year old uh, in the Navy. And then we've got a, a 19 year old freshman at the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. And he's playing football. And baseball, yeah. And baseball. baseball. Wow. Well, so Dexter, you serve as the chaplain for uh, the Atlanta Falcons, and Lachey, you serve as the Atlanta FCA Urban Director. Uh, so you're both in sports ministry. Can you kind of tell us? Uh, kind of alluded to it a little bit, but can you, can you tell us about your personal background of playing sports? Well, myself, I I, I was in the marching band in the ninth grade, Chris, and. I uh, played for the football team, and I was in PE, and all of a sudden I had a PE teacher who happened to be the defensive coordinator, and he saw me playing uh, f- 
flag football at PE one one day in the ninth grade, and he said, "Man, next year ask your mama to let you come out for the team, Chris." And so um, that was the biggest choice and decision I ever had to make in my life. I had to go and ask my mother, uh, and at that time she said, "Hey, man, you're gonna play that saxophone, so you're gonna have to figure out what you're gonna do." So uh, I remember standing in front of her and my stepdad and saying, "Listen, can I play?" Uh, I played in the concert band all throughout high school. So that was a non-negotiable. We're going to play that sax. And then I ended up playing football. And three years later, I'm getting a scholarship offers to Clemson, Alabama, and, and signing with Clemson. So I, my only wow. story in that is that I was, thank God, that the, the PE teacher was going the extra mile. He saw something in me that I couldn't see in myself. Amen? Amen. That's fantastic. Lachey, how about you? Mine isn't as elaborate. I ran track. <laughs> I ran track in middle school, um, and then I cheered in high school, hated the whole drama thing of cheerleading, and ran track a little bit in high in high school as well. Um, I wanted to do student government. I wanted to be in charge, so, you know. But, yeah, cheerleading and um, track was pretty much my background. I wasn't coordinated enough to play basketball. And, yeah, so that was that was pretty much it. I stopped. I stopped. Uh, running track because I thought I was too cute to sweat. <laughs> <laughs> and so my hair, you never have a good hair day when you're running track. So, you know, I had this long curly hair that turned into frizzball every time I was out there. And so, yeah, track decided, I, I ended my track career real quick, fast and in a hurry. So, but then, you know, I could coach it real well. So later on, years later, I end up coaching track, for a, for a minute and and coaching cheerleading and it was still just as yeah. dramatic as it was when I cheered and I was like yeah no, um, so I liked coaching track more than I like coaching cheerleading. And the running and the running jokes probably true. The kids get their speed from her, not me. I'm not the fastest, and that's a true story. <laughs> there you go. Oh, that's good. That's right. And you don't coach. You don't have to sweat when you coach, so that's nice. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it sounds like you guys are new empty nesters, um, which Absolutely. sounds like that might be pretty fun and awesome. We're a few years yeah. away from that. But uh, four kids, did they all play sports? Yes, they did. They all played <laughs> sports. Uh, now, we had different levels of it. We had some hard you know, conversations with them. My oldest played basketball, and uh, she didn't like playing in you know, in the offseason, she just loved playing basketball. I remember having a conversation with Braces and Baby Tellers. Do you love this sport or do you like it? So I'll know my expectations as a parent when I come to the game. What do I need to be expecting to do, right? She said, Dad, I just like it. So I said, okay. So I set my expectation, baby, to what I'm expecting to see when I come to a game and what I expect you to do in the offseason because you don't ever practice, for one. And um, so once I got that out of the way, I realized my expectation with her. And then we had Shy. She was an active cheerleader she um she really taught us that cheerleading is a sport you know we did the tumbling with her she cheered through our college she's now the head cheerleading coach at bethune cookman university in wow. in uh, in florida and daytona beach and she's also on staff with fca as well but and uh, uh, dexter jr uh played football and he uh, had a football scholarship to taylor university uh, in indiana where he played and before going to the navy and then we have micah of course uh baseball and football and uh been blessed in the kind of chart with him to a uh, collegiate scholarship there at the academy. Wow. We tried to never, we tried to uh, never let them play the same sport, like have multiple kids play the same sport mm. in the same season. And it just kind of, 
because trying to go across town and all this and that, it just yeah. was crazy. But Bracey did run track for a little while. Yes. And, um, I think mom damaged her. The co- co- coach mom <laughs> damaged her in track because, you know, she was playing basketball and then track season came one year. I think she was in eighth grade. Yeah, eighth grade, South High Christian, yeah. <laughs> and um, she, she came out for uh, track practice and she says, um, okay, mom, I'm not, I, I, I'm not ready for the workouts yet. And I was like, you just finished basketball season. Come on, let's go. You know, the last game was on a Monday, I yeah, think, or and, Tuesday. And then and she you came dropped practice. her. I remember. Well, yeah, she, she <laughs> ended up, she ended up passing out on me. <laughs> on Coach Davis. Yeah. Well played, yeah, mom. That? Well played. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. I know, I know. So then I get this phone call about an hour after practice. I get this phone call from a concerned parent. Um, about um, my kids passing out at practice. And, you know, it was this concerned father and who happened to be my husband. Yes. <laughs> yes. There's a problem here. Because they got a problem. <laughs> we got to have a meeting. Yes. Oh, that's yeah. awesome. So, yeah. um, yeah. one, I love that advice. Or, you know, do you like it or do you love it? Because I need to set my expectations on how your approach is going to be at that. That is a, what a fantastic question to ask, ask your kids. I mean, just if they're all in or not, that's, I love Amen. that. Now, now you talked about how busy that was. How can you kind of go into how you navigated through, uh, managing your marriage, first of all, uh, full-time jobs, and then how crazy it is with sports and kids and schedules and weekends. Uh, great question. I, I will I will say that having Lachey uh, help me be mindful of that as parents and, and being able to you know spend Valentine's Day at the baseball field with Micah for travel baseball or and you Mother's know, Day and Mother's Day and birthday. and birthday and anniversaries at you know camps in the summertime. All of those things were uh, things that because of her we were really able to. I don't want to say compromise, but uh, but blend in and those special moments like that. Uh, and she and we, had, we had some non-negotiables. Yes. So one of the non-negotiables was if you were ever out of season, you had to support your sibling. Yes. I mean, that was not, that was a non, yeah. that was a non-comparable. And so, um, whatever, whoever was out of season had to support the, the sibling that was in season. And, you know, it wasn't, okay, I can't go to her game or I can't, you know, sit through a baseball game or, or whatever. Um, no, we have to go. Um, we're going to support. We're going to be our family member's yeah. best favorite fan. You know, we're going to be the biggest fan. So love that. that was, I absolutely love that. That yeah. was, that was, that's always been a non-comparable. Yeah, that was odd. It was always uh, funny for us to hear other parents say, you know what, we're just surprised that all your kids are here all the time. Well, but that's because we made it a point Listen, we're going to support. We're going to be together. So our kids and and even now, well, even when Micah was playing his senior year, it was not it was never unusual to see the siblings and and us there at the game, just just watching, right? Because that's just kind of how we brought them up. Yeah, and just kind of set that schedule. And you know, I mean, it wasn't easy. I mean, especially moving to Atlanta and dealing with Atlanta traffic and having to kind of maneuver through all of that and get into games on time and 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 yeah it wasn't it wasn't easy but it was it's always been a non-comparable that mm-hmm. the siblings you know had to be there to support their 
sister or brother during their games. And um, if we traveled, you know, whether it be holidays or whatever, you know, we still did it yeah. all together. It was the Davis Six everywhere we went. <laughs> and, and, and I love because what I hear you say is it was not easy. Like it was no. you had to be intentional with it. It's not easy, but it was definitely worth it for you all oh. as a family to make that commitment to one another. Oh, yeah. There'd be games where we'd be at and and uh, here come my kids when they were driving age, bringing birthday balloons because yeah. I was there spending my birthday at a game or yeah. Mother's Day or getting Mother's Day balloons or or whatever. I mean, mm -hmm. that's just kind of same thing with Father's Day. And so we 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 did that. I mean, it wasn't a sacrifice to us. It was just that's what we did. Yeah. You know, that's what, that's that was what important. Team Davis did. That's what Team that's Davis right. did. Davis Six did. Davis Six. Davis Six. Well, I probably like to say FCA really helped kind of start that because you know early on we volunteered for FCA. We did so many camps in the summertime. I, I you know, it was kind of laughable when I hear people talk about the various camps. You know, from Black Mountain when we would go to Black Mountain, we'd go to uh, Gardner Webb with the team camps. We'd go all over back when you know FCA really started doing camp, and that would that would be our entire summer. We spent the entire summer just traveling. I mean, we we ran out of gas on the highway with the kids. We, <laughs> you know, had trucks break down. You know, but at the same time, you know, doing stuff together as a family through sports is what we just did. You know, mm -hmm. we did laundry. We we packed up at the beginning of the summer. We went to one camp. Mm -hmm. We found a laundromat somewhere along the way. Washed all the laundry and route to the next camp. We might go visit some family yeah. somewhere, and then we're off to the next camp until it's time to do laundry again at the next, you know, in route. And so, yeah, there was a couple summers we did about four or five four camps, or five camps wasn't back it? to back. And the kids, they knew nothing else. It, it made really good, interesting conversation when they went back to school because um, I got them a notebook. The girls, the boys never, hmm. they never did it. The boys just, they weren't being compliant. But the girls, they had to write a journal about their endeavors. And so then at the for the first week of school, you know, it's like, what did you do this summer? Yeah. Kids could just pull out their journal. The girls could just pull out their journals about what they did all summer. And when you're on an FCA budget, you know, you if you really strategically plan it, you know, that's a great summer vacation. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. You know? That's right. <laughs> yeah. well, and and they probably still have those journals today. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. absolutely. They're, in, they're in our story. Yes. <laughs> that's great. That is awesome. Okay, so Dexter, you are a chaplain in the NFL. Uh, people will see the glory of the professional sports, but very few see the story. Can you give us some insight of the, the reality of what it's like to be an NFL chaplain? Well, I, I will tell you this. We were getting, our kids were getting baptized. Micah, our youngest, is at the academy, and Shai, who's the uh, one of the youngest Division One college coaches at uh, Bethune-Cookman, uh, we, they were getting baptized a few years ago. This is probably three years ago. And um, it was Super Bowl Sunday. We were on our way to baptism. And as we're going, I get a phone call from uh, the Falcons team, uh, our team, our general manager, as well as our head team security, which is rarely though I get those calls. We just communicate when we travel somewhere, but never getting a phone call during the week. So I get a call and Again, we're on our way. We've got family in town. It's a big deal. The kids are getting baptized. We're going to church. And uh, the, the call goes something like this, Dexter, uh, we need you to come meet our our head security uh, at a certain location. 
a player who has just been killed. Uh, he plays for the Indianapolis coach. His parents live in Atlanta. Uh, we need to break the news. The, the Indianapolis coach do not want the information to get to social media yet. So we want you on behalf of the coach and, and our NFL family to go with the police officer to break the news to the family. So this is Super Bowl Sunday morning. And uh, so we meet uh, at a location. I get in the car. Uh, the police officer gives me all the details on how to handle the call. You know, the general man, our, our general manager connects me with uh, general manager of the Colts. And we're having this conversation. He's giving me, you know, mother's phone number, uh, brother's phone number. So we make this call. And uh, it's amazing that the police officers know how people are going to respond, react. And so uh, to make a long story short, uh, we end up getting to the church in downtown Atlanta. We're not at home. Uh, make another call. And this, the mother uh, picks up the phone and, and I merely just do what the police officer says. Hey, your son has been in an accident. Uh, we need to come down and talk to you about it. I'm, on, I'm speaking on behalf of the National Football League, your Indianapolis coach, and I'm representing the Atlanta Falcons as our team chaplain. So we get there um, and I'm breaking the news at a, at a church. He's got six of his siblings at church, his mother and his father. Uh, we all go straight to a room in the basement of the church. And at this time, you know, it's on their face. The police officer goes right in. He says, hey, your son was killed uh, about four o'clock this morning. It's Super Bowl Sunday morning. And, you know, at that moment, I'm praying. I remember talking extensively to, to our president, Shane Williamson, at that time. Just say, listen, man, keep me prayed up because this is a, you know, we're equipped for so many things in, in sports ministry. But uh, being equipped to go tell the parents that your son uh, just lost his life in an accident, um, and when he was doing the right thing, he was taking an Uber. He got out to throw up because he was upset stomach and uh, life was taken. But to have to go deliver that news um, really, really um, showed me uh, really beyond the standing on the sideline, uh, the importance of the role uh, really hit. And I think, too, um, for us, for me as a wife, having gone through because like you know, we get invited to things, um, to participate in things like the professional athletes outreach conference and, and things like that. Um, where, because when Dexter went into the league, literally, um, he turned 21 in March, he got drafted in April and then I turned 20 in May. So we were babies. Um, and so just last week or the week before last, we're at this conference with these professional athletes that are our children's ages. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and, you know, and it's like, we're able to relate to life that they're going through. Mm-hmm. The situations, times change, situations haven't changed. Yeah. And, and, and so we're able to pour into them things that were seemed absolutely bizarre to me so many years ago. And we're able to share those stories and share those mm-hmm. those interactions and things that we went through and experiences that we went through and just shed a little bit of light um, with the with you know the twenty something year old professional athletes now and their their girlfriends and spouses and stuff. So you know, wondering why God was taking us through those mm. things back then and and being able to share and share our experiences and and be able to relate um now is is pretty cool yeah and our stuff you know we got to spend some time with you know in our core groups you know we it's not um being able to spend with our guys like baker mayfield last week just intimately getting to spend some time 
you know, sharing our faith and that respect in those types of environments, our young men uh, and their spouses, uh, living life with them and really just sharing what we've come through. That's really all, that's really the biggest asset as in ministry that we can share is not just our opinions on stuff, but the stuff that God brings you through, right? And you two know that as well as anybody. Your best ministry is what God's brought you through. So to be able to share that to couples and young men and in our case, uh, you know, women as well is what we, uh, we value. I love that. That's great. That's great. So today in our devotion, we read 2 Corinthians 12, 9. God's grace is all you need. His power works best in weakness. What was you all's moment when God revealed to you your need for his grace and his forgiveness? My biggest need um, uh, wasn't even sports related. I mean, it was more or less... Um, Let's see, I was 30, and it was when my mom passed. Um, she was my best friend. And, um, you know, we had talked earlier that day. She wasn't ill. She was 50 years old and very active in her church. And we were all laughing and talking and having a good time. And she never met a stranger. And, yeah, you know, um, a lot. I, I, apple doesn't fall too far from the tree because mm. one conversation led mm. significantly long. But anyway, she went to the grocery store to get a pair of pantyhose because she was going somewhere for church or something. And my sister and I were talking and I said, hey, uh, Micah, our youngest, was a year old. And I said, hey, I got to put the baby down. Tell mom I'll talk to her later. She's probably in there talking to somebody. And uh, so, you know, we laughed and said, OK. And I never I never got to hear her voice again. Mm. And uh, later that night, uh, midnight. I get a phone call that she was having a heart attack. And I was like, what do you mean she's having a heart attack? Mom doesn't have a heart problem. So like, you know, what is she saying? What is she doing? And it's like, no, you don't understand. She's not responding. And she was gone. We lived in Baltimore and she lived in South Carolina. And so I think that was, and Dexter and I often talk about that. I mean, that, that was probably the, probably the most lowest point of my life um, where I had grown up in the church and my grandparents were gone, both sides. My dad was gone. And then now my mom's gone. Mm. And so, you know, I question God, like, not why, but what now? What, what, what is there left for me? I know I'm a wife. I know I'm a mother. But that's not enough. And so having the, the reality of understanding years later, because it took a minute for him to get to me that his grace is sufficient. His mm-hmm. grace is enough. And that, sus- that sustenance, it, 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 it takes a toll on you because she was my best friend. And um, so the hardest part, and then asking for forgiveness mm-hmm. after that of saying, okay, God, I questioned you. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I, I challenged your presence in my world. Um, but it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily sports related. It was just his presence in my life and and thinking, okay, my mom is what gave me fulfillment, and him realize and me realizing that his grace was sufficient. His grace is enough. Mm. And with me, it will be probably most recently the most recent opportunity where our son, my oldest boy, was in college, went through a few things. We thought, you know, mental health was there, but we it was just a spiritual attack. You know, whether it be bad choices from uh, maybe you know hanging with some of the wrong guys. Um, smoking some of the wrong stuff. I'm just saying, as a real parent, they ha- we're realizing that, hey, listen, it doesn't matter what you do, 
your children make choices, right? And it's not that you are a bad parent and here we are, we're in ministry. Our kids sometimes make poor choices that uh, as, as believers, especially leaders in ministry, we're not exempt from our kids uh, making choices. And you can't, and as a parent, you know, I ask God's grace and mercy for me because that was a tough time for me and my son, uh, Dexter Jr., the oldest, and now to see him come out of that. I mean, it was a long two and two plus years of, uh, of him going through this, me believing and trusting that God loves him more than me in that process too. Uh, and I really had to practice that, to say that is one thing, but to, to really let him, you know, and be able to sleep at night knowing that, hey, I don't know where he is. Mm-hmm. Um, don't know if he's warm, don't know if he's, you know, what's fed, going on, safe. fed, safe, and really trusting God, even if he were to call me because the relationship had been strained so much that, hey, don't don't even call me. Don't I don't, you know, I've released you to God and he loves you more than me. And to come through that now um, and with Dexter and to be able to share about that, and I'm not a big social media guy, but I posted a picture a few days ago with Dexter and Lachey at the restaurant because cause that it just means so much. It's been two and a half years that I was able to post something about my oldest boy because of what we have been going through. And to see God come through him and to see him see it in his voice, see it in his action, my son is back. So I just thank God for that. So through that time, giving me the grace and the mercy, man, I, uh, I, I, I actually personally, as a father, got to experience that. And uh, I just thank God for that we're able now to be able to talk about that. Amen. Amen. And it's, 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 it, it means so much to be able to because we we live life with these coaches and these athletes on a regular basis and and staff and you know we just try and be as real and authentic as possible yeah. to say hey we go through stuff too Amen. um and you know we don't always get it right but this is what god has done for us mm-hmm. um this is how god has brought us through this this challenge and the next challenge and the next challenge and sometimes there's there's just all kinds of questions but understanding that his grace it's is sufficient, sufficient. Amen. and um, it's just enough. And, and that's a hard mm. pill to swallow sometimes when people are wanting answers. Yeah. And, and, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you, right. when we were, it takes me back to that, that day. And I'm, I'm sorry, Sarah, to no, go back go a minute. Ahead. That, that day that uh, we went to find the, the, the player from the coach, his parents, right? And I'm asking God, give me the word to say. I'm about to walk into this space, and I, I, I need to know what to say. What? And all I got that day was in Jesus' name. So nothing else mattered. And as I said, in Jesus' name, the parents said in Jesus' name. And that was the, that was all that was said in church that morning. With nothing, no other words needed to be said, and that was sufficient enough in Jesus' name. And so that began to echo throughout the mom, the dad, the sisters, and the brothers. And that was the healing in Jesus' name, period. Well, nothing Dexter could come up with. God didn't even give me anything. He just said, just say that. I love we you guys' her. story in, in from from the, the profession, ministry, to you all's personal story. It, it's, it's saying what Jesus actually said is, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Mm-hmm. And I love how you guys said you're not exempt from this, number one, because you're a follower of Jesus, and number two, because you're in ministry, it's the complete opposite. Amen. Um, we, we are promised those 
trials, mm -hmm. but we are also promised in Jesus' name. I absolutely yeah. love that. I absolutely love absolutely. that. And we and you and people look for us to over spiritualize it or or, or whatever. We can't. We we can't sometimes other than to say, but God, you know, God, um, and you're not alone. You're not alone. Sometimes we just love hearing. I'm, you're not alone. We hear you. We see you. And so does God in Jesus name. I love that. So you guys, I mean, you guys have an amazing story and you are so wise. I mean, just by this conversation uh, that. The short time we spent right now, I mean, I, I can't tell you how much I've learned and the notes I've taken just from uh, this. Um, so what would be some advice uh, that you've received as a married couple uh, in this crazy life of sports that you could pass on uh, to others? I, I would say you want to I would. You that, go it's first, never, that it's never 50-50. No, it's not. It's <laughs> It's never 50-50. Whoever, whoever, whoever made that statement lied. Yeah, <laughs> and I learned that the hard way. Hey, I learned that the hard way, you know. Didn't I tell you we moved 20 times? Yeah. Well, <laughs> sometimes you know. it's 20-80. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's 90-10. It's sometimes it's 60-40. Um, it's give and take. I mean, and someone told us a long time ago, a couple um, we were sharing with, and they said it's all about reaching the plateau, that common ground. And, you know, sometimes it's going to be easier for me to get there than it is for him. But as long as we meet at that common ground, the plateau, that level, um, to get where we need to go, that yeah. common ground. Yeah, absolutely. And I've been there when it's been uh, zero to 100. You know, I've been in that Amen. room. You know, years ago, <laughs> I've been in that room when the shade looked at me and said, hey, I, I don't have anything else to give. So mm. so I, you're going to be all in to make this thing work or we're not going to have anything and it was up to me that the, uh, I'm a competitor and a professional athlete, prepared and I were as a coach. Well, it was about do I want to compete for my marriage? And, you know, those, in those years, you know, 15, 20 years ago, I had to make a decision to compete for my marriage. And so when people say 50-50, I'm saying, no, nah, brother, it ain't no. Uh -uh. <laughs> and so that that's one of the things that, um, you know, that's really been, 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 been really glaring for me. And at the same time, just knowing that, uh, the greatest ministry you have as a married couple is what God brings you through. Mm, amen. Wow. Compete wow. for your marriage and what God brings you through. In Jesus' name. Man, I'm just going to say that all the time. Um, oh, so awesome. Oh. We have absolutely loved our time with you guys. And thank you for sharing your hearts. Thank you for sharing your story, your vulnerability, your authenticity. I know it touched ours and I know absolutely. it's going to touch those that have listened, but we're going to end and we're going to end in the same way that we always end, which is a little bit fun. And it's called our two minute drill. Okay. Uh -huh. So it's our two minute uh -oh. drill. We'll say go. Chris has the timer and I'm just going to ask you guys some quick questions, fun questions. Um, and you guys each answer them individually and you'll hear All the, right. The buzzer goes off after the two-minute drill. Sound good? Okay. Sounds okay. Good. All right. All right here we Ready go. and go. Uh, favorite date night restaurant? Anything seafood. Yeah. Okay. Any, any restaurant. Okay. Favorite family vacation you've ever been on? The beach. Beach. Yeah. Which beach? Beach. beach. Uh, Myrtle, beach. Myrtle Beach. Myrtle Beach. Okay. Myrtle beach. Favorite movie? Glory. Uh, oh, no, 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 no. Lately, Maleficent. Maleficent. Yeah, <laughs> Maleficent. Yeah, I, 
We're empty nesters now, remember? I'm going through something, Chris, really bad. (laughs) Isn't that like a Disney princess movie or something? Yeah. Don't tell nobody, Chris. I'm there, man. Nobody will listen. Keep a secret. Okay. Um, Nobody's going to listen to that part. uh, If you could meet anyone in the world, who would it be? Malcolm X. You know why? Because Malcolm X went through a transformation that a lot of people don't recognize from Muslim to Christianity. Um, Maya Angelou. Just to sit and listen. I, yes. I, I've got some of her quotes that are absolutely my favorite. I, I absolutely love Maya Angelou. Okay, um, who was your favorite athlete growing up? <laughs> Isaiah Thomas, man. I wanted to be oh. the point guard. You know, I, I was Isaiah. I mean, what the real Isaiah. Well, I know what you're talking about. Mary, let's see, Mary Lou Retton, because I swore up and down I could do all the flips and stuff, and I <laughs> can only do a cartwheel. Okay. <laughs> Okay, all right. Um, who has had the most influence on you in your faith walk? Grandfather. My grandmother. Oh. My grandfather never went to church, but I, I learned from him. My grandma. Mm. Very wise lady. Yeah. Favorite Bible verse? Philippians 4, 7. Ephesians 3, 20 through 21. Do you know what they say? Exceedingly, God can do all things above me. You know, you can never expect things. I imagine according to his power that dwells within us for all generations to come. The peace of God mm-hmm. that surpasses all understanding. <laughs> Okay, last question. Favorite meal your spouse cooks? Oh, nothing like that. Cook. My ho ho ho! I bake. So, not, hey, that's spaghetti, turkey, meatballs. Oh, there's our there's our timer. Thank you guys so much for joining us on the Huddle Up podcast. I cannot wait to share this with our listeners, and um, yeah. You, you truly are an inspiration, and like I said, the, the wisdom that you guys impart and the fact that you are empty nesters, uh, you look Woo-hoo. way too young to be empty nesters. Hallelujah. So. <laughs> hey, hallelujah to that. <laughs> day oh, night, man. Day night all the time. Yeah, day hey. night has begun again. Hallelujah. <laughs> and look, thank you. I, I just I exceeded know. our expectations. You know, we... Uh, coming on, Shay mentioned it, but this is awesome to see you, you, you be on your podcast and to see you too, your love that you have. And thanks for having us on, man. Please. Anything we can do to help support, um, let us know. You guys are great. Thank you. God bless you guys. Thank you. Guys. Thank you. Thanks for joining us in Huddle Up. Until next time, when we hear more stories of your faith, sports, and family.